supporting you in your dog parenting journey. The Dynamic Dog Owner with Debbie Potter. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Dynamic Dog Owner. Today we are carrying on with this series about my dogs um, and the different challenges I have overcome with them and the journeys I have been on because as with everybody else, my dogs aren't perfect. Um, they have many different challenging behaviours and I have learned an awful lot from having them. So today we're talking about Dave. So Dave is my current eldest dog, who is a black Labrador. He is six and he was my first puppy. So I had never had a puppy before. Um, growing up, we always had rescue dogs. My grandparents, my parents, my first dog were all rescued or rehomes. So we had never had a puppy. Um, didn't really know what to do with one. <laughs> so naturally, I did make mistakes. Now, I think it's because every girl's dream is to have a puppy, right? You know, everyone like would love a puppy in their life. So I remember asking my mum for a puppy and she was like, no, 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 we're not having a puppy. No way. We, we rescue dogs and that's what we do. So first opportunity came along and it was my opportunity to get a puppy. One of the reasons I decided to get a puppy rather than rescue or rehome another dog was because my children were quite young. So my girls were six and eight, which I personally felt was too young to bring in a rescue rehome dog where I didn't know its past. Um, my girls weren't old enough to think in a rational level-headed way necessarily to be able to foresee issues with a rescue dog or to be a little bit calmer and need to know how to manage different situations with a rescue quite simply. Um, so I felt the easiest and the safest route was to go and get a puppy. And obviously it was great. It was my childhood dream. Um, they got to live it. Um, I was the grand age of 32 when we got um, our puppy. So I had to wait a little while, but I still got that childhood dream. And it was relatively at the beginning of my training journey. I'd only been working with dogs for a short period of time. So I didn't know as much as I know now. But equally, Dave was probably the easiest first puppy because he did everything textbook. But we did make mistakes because everybody makes mistakes. Every single dog you have, you make a mistake and you learn from it and you put that information into your next dog. So Dave did help me learn about puppies, which is lovely. And I say he was a relatively easy puppy. He's a big boy. So he's a large Labrador. He's around 38, 40 kilograms. So he's a big dog and he was a very big puppy. And naturally, I wanted to show him off. I wanted to show the world my puppy. So um, let people say hello to him, let dogs say hello to him. And obviously we know that some of their character is predisposed. We can't change who they are and what they do. But in hindsight, maybe how I treated him because I wanted to show him off might have created a bigger problem because he is a very sociable dog, um, very sociable. He loves people. He loves other dogs. Um, and he obviously learned quite a lot from our previous dog and he really enjoyed having an older dog around. So two of the things he struggled with most were jumping up and pulling on the lead. As a puppy, he always did them. But in other categories, he was almost like your textbook puppy. Everything that the, the puppy book said he should do, he did. So he slept in the kitchen, he could be left on his own, he was confident, he did this, he did that. He did all of those of toilet training, those common puppy things. 
exactly as he should have done and they were relatively easy, which was really nice as a first-time dog owner. It made me feel quite confident. And obviously, yes, he jumped up a little bit. Puppies do. We worked on it. He pulled on the lead a little bit. Again, puppies do. We worked on it. But those two things stayed. They've always been his challenges until recently now he's matured. And obviously, as a puppy, you have a lot of influence over what experiences they have, which can be a blessing, but it can also not be. It can also be really sort of negative because you see the mistakes that potentially happen that helped cause who they are. So say Dave was a textbook puppy, did everything as he should have done. At 14 months old, he became reactive. And if you had a reactive rescue dog, you don't know their past. You don't know what's gone on. But because I had obviously had him from a puppy, I had a lot more knowledge about where he'd come from, the journey he'd had. So it means that I can explain in my mind the reasons that made him the way he is. Um, Obviously, there's an element of it that is just his personality of being the fun-loving, sociable Labrador that he is. But there are a few scenarios that I'll explain in a little minute that I believe helped him on his way to being what we class as a reactive dog. The jumping up, we worked on heavily and I think he was probably around two when he stopped jumping up. And the pulling on the lead, oh my goodness, <laughs> that was a challenge. Uh, we've worked on pulling on the lead alongside his reactivity for, solidly, basically, from when he was a puppy up until he was around four. At four, he finally realised that pulling on the lead probably wasn't worthwhile. <laughs> so it took a long time, but all the skills that I learnt with him have obviously been put into a training course and we now can help other people who do struggle with pulling on the lead, thanks to Dave. So it's not always a negative because it does create a positive. So at 14 months old, Dave became reactive. And so there's a few reasons that I believe that contributed to that. Partly it's his character, but I think the reasons are he became what we call a frustrated greeter. So reactivity is a very, very broad topic. Um, there's so much to it. And we tend to kind of lump reactive dogs as aggressive dogs and the ones that bark and lunge on the end of the lead. And that's what Dave does. Um, but reactivity is so much more than that. One of my other dogs is reactive, but in a really quiet, calm way. They basically have a reaction or an overreaction to something so for Dave it is people and dogs and he does bark and lunge on his lead out of pure excitement because he wants to go and say hello to them and the lead stops him <laughs> so he's frustrated that he cannot get to people to say hello he's not aggressive when he gets to them he's like oh my goodness hello <laughs> can we be friends but obviously on the outside let's say he's a big boy it can look a little bit intimidating and it can look a little bit scary. So it is classed as reactivity, even though I know he's not scary. So the few reasons that I believe led up to uh, his reactivity is one, he has a genetic condition that means he cannot go out and it's too warm. And he over if he overheats, he can collapse, basically. Again, a topic for another day. Um, so the year that he was a year old, the summer that he was a year old, was one of the hottest summers we've had. You may have remembered it, it was six years ago, uh, five years ago. And we had a good chunk of like three, I think about three months where it was so warm 
he couldn't go out because it's not safe for him to go out in those heats. He can't cope with it. So he didn't go out socialising, meeting, seeing other dogs from a distance, etc. As much as he had been. And that was at his crucial sort of 13 to 15 month old section. In the middle of that heat wave, we went on holiday. And notoriously, every time I go on holiday, it rains. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a standing joke. No matter when it is, this was August. We were in full wet weather gear the whole week, um, soaked to the skin. It, don't go on holiday at the same time as me, quite simply. Um, so we did go on holiday and it was raining. It was cool. It was lovely in the middle of the heat wave. And he did a lot more exercise and walking than he normally would have because we were on a walking holiday, but equally because he'd had a few weeks where we didn't because of the heat. Um, and I remember that was when his first reaction happened. We were stood in Grassmere, outside Grassmere Gingerbread Shop, and he barked and lunged at another dog walking past. And I was absolutely surprised. I was like, whoa, where's this come from? Um, I put it down to the fact that it was the last day of the holiday. Always have to stock up on your Grassmere Gingerbread before you go home, um, because it's delicious. If you haven't had any, try it. End of the holiday, we'd walked a long way. He'd been brilliant. It was. I remember that holiday was when he'd kind of cracked walking past people. And I was like, yes! In this week, we've walked past so many other walkers and we've worked so much on stay with mum, ignore the people. I was like, we've made massive progress in this week at not jumping at people. And then the last day of the holiday, he reacted to another dog, which was absolutely shocking. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what is this? I put it down to the fact that he had had a long, tiring week. Simple as. Didn't think anything more of it. Um, and then about a month later, I injured my foot quite comically um at a trampoline park thinking I was very young again and I injured my foot and I couldn't walk properly and I struggled to walk on it for a good few months so in that period because he's such a big dog I couldn't hold him um so I didn't walk him on a lead as much and I didn't take him to places where I knew there would be too much going on simply because I knew I couldn't hold him unless I had somebody else with me because I didn't have the strength in my ankle to brace myself against his weight so that was the second thing that happened and then the last thing at the sort of around he was probably about 17 months old is our older dog leo passed away and in his adolescence which of course we know is a really crucial time in dogs development as it is for humans those three things had happened he'd had a period of time where he couldn't go out as much because it was hot he couldn't go out as much because then I'd injured my foot and then our dog passed away. So he'd gone from living with the dog his whole life to suddenly being a lonely dog, the only dog in a household. And I personally have never seen a dog so sad. He'd never lived on his own before and he hated it. He was so miserable. And you could see him like pining as if to say, well, I'm on my own. Where's the other dog? And then once a week, my mum would come around with her dog and his face lit up and he was just the happiest dog because there was another dog around. So I don't know because I can't ask my dog, but I kind of put these three events in the mix as to why he became a frustrated greeter. Um, I could be completely wrong, but having a kind of insight as to why helps you understand, I think. So I might be wrong. They may have nothing to do with it. But in my mind, I think they play a part. This is why I think he became a reactive greeter, because he didn't get to see people. He 
then was craving canine company and it was his adolescent period. Now, what happens when your dog suddenly becomes reactive is that you lose confidence. So I completely lost confidence. You feel embarrassed. You feel that people are looking at you or watching you are judging you. And it's really shit, quite frankly, because you then start to dread taking your dog out because you go, oh, what if I see someone I know? What if, what if? And for me, maybe, I don't know, I'm assuming I find it a lot harder because people assume my dog's going to be well behaved because of my job. And I kind of say to people, well, that's like saying because you're a teacher, your kid's Einstein. <laughs> it doesn't ring true. I think often, more often than not na now, I know, I think people who work with dogs actually have more challenging dogs because the dogs seem to pick the people that they know are going to work with them. Um, we'll move on to that with Rem in our next episode. But yeah, I felt really embarrassed taking him out. I felt that people were looking at me. I felt that people thought he was a bad dog and he really wasn't. I knew that if you come over, he's just going to give you some love. But people obviously don't know that, which I totally get. You know, he's a big boy and it, it is potentially scary having a big dog bark at you. If you understand canine body language, you will see that even now his reactions when he does bark and lunge are not aggressive because... Normally he's like tippy tapping on his toes and his tail's wagging and it's more of a um, sort of excited yippy bark rather than anything else. So it's completely different to an aggressive dog stance. But again, if you don't understand dog body language, you wouldn't know that. Um, and I remember many times I've walked sort of through my close that where I live and the neighbour's going, oh, is he going to eat me? I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> no, he's not going to eat you. He's just going to smother you with kisses. But it's really, really difficult and it's really challenging. And this is where, with reactive dogs, majority of the, well, not majority, but half of the battle is yourself and your own mindset. Once you can shake off that, look, I'm doing the best I can with this situation. I'm doing the best for my dog. You actually don't worry about everybody else. But that's all about human mindset, which, as we know, plays a really big part in everything, not just dog training. So because of his reactivity and his need to be with another dog because of his grieving, we did get another dog. It wasn't the plan, <laughs> but best laid plans and all that. We did get him another dog, a friend, sooner than we planned and sooner than we imagined Again, I'll talk about Rem and all the things and why we rushed into it potentially um, in his episode. But it did help Dave because it satisfied his need to be around dogs. And often, this goes for everything, we tend to try and take away what they need. And you know, for example, if you didn't have a multi-dog household and you had a reactive dog, you tend to keep them away from other dogs but then their desire to be with other dogs grows. So it's kind of a catch-22 situation. Because we had another dog in the house, it satisfied Dave's need. But he had then, at that point, nearly had a year of being reactive. So that was then something he did. He It was a habit and a mindset he was in, and then we had to work very hard to undo it. And as a rule of thumb, obviously everyone's very different, but however long a behaviour has been practised for, it takes twice as long to undo it. So 
a lot of Dave's journey was about management, managing his world so that he didn't have the opportunity to practice. So as I said, I was really embarrassed. I got to the point where I was so embarrassed, I didn't even bring him to our own classes because I felt like my clients would judge me and him. I felt I had to justify why he was barking because people assume, they say he's aggressive and he's not. So walks became what were interesting and fun and enjoyable to be really stressful and stressful for him, <laughs> stressful for me. His was a excited, frustrated um, stress. Mine was a sort of emotional stress. So our way of tackling this was to build in a couple of rest days per week, days where he didn't go out. And that kind of fitted quite well with his over-exercise issue for his genetics. So we had probably two or three days a week where he didn't leave the house. He just was chilled in the garden, decompressing, doing fun things with us at home to lower his stress and arousal levels. And then when we did go out, we could keep our walks relatively controlled by A, using secure fields. Um, so he had freedom and time to run and explore and be free. But then we adopted training walks where we wouldn't have a goal of going very far. We would just go somewhere where I knew dogs were under control. So on leads. And we could keep our distance and work on being far enough away that he could ignore them and start to change his mindset of what do I do when I see another dog. And we have been working on this ever since. So as I said, he's six now. So for five years, we've been working on his reactivity. It's not fixed. But will it ever be? Who knows? It's where I feel that secure dog fields or dog exercise fields are an absolute godsend for when you are working on a challenging behaviour, whether it be recall, reactivity, whatever, it gives you that safe space to just let your dog be, to relax, to be free, to let them have their exercise without worrying about anything and where you can really just relax and not feel stressed about what's going to happen. Your dog gets a lovely chance to decompress. And obviously I'm really lucky that we have a dog walking field so it's there I can use it all the time and um, so he does get to have a lot of relaxed freedom and then because while he's having his exercise he's not coming into into contact with so many other dogs he's not practicing that reactivity that I don't want him to do we then control where we go so that when he is around other dogs he can successfully get it right and then that's starting now at the grand age of six, it's starting to transfer into everyday life, which is amazing. So I say I am in a lucky position, but wherever you live, there will be dog fields that you can hire. Um, make use of them because they are so beneficial when you have a dog that needs to just have quiet space without too many triggers coming into their world. Rest days, again, for me, are incredibly important. We're going to do an episode on just rest days. So if you've got any questions about what a rest day is, <laughs> shout. Um, and I'll make sure that's included in a future episode. Um, because rest days are really important. And for him, it obviously, again, helped him through that adolescent phase. Obviously, having a reactive dog is challenging. Um, it isn't easy. But it can, with the right support and the right help, it can improve. And my top tip, if anyone needs a top tip, 
about reactivity is don't wait. Often people go, I'm just going to leave it and see if it gets better. I guarantee you it won't get better on its own. Unless you are doing the right things, it's not going to magically get better. Oh, I'll just see if it get improved over the next month. Every time it happens, it's almost like a board game, one step backwards. And you then have to counteract more. So this, as soon as you see any reactive behaviour in your dog, nip it in the bud, go and see a trainer, go and see a behaviourist and ask them for their support and advice on how they can you can overcome this. Because the sooner you do so, the less growth that problem is going to have before you try and fix it. So I say Dave's now six and last year I finally was confident enough to bring him back to classes. Yay! And he's done amazingly well. That maturity has come into play. All of the groundwork we've been doing for the last four years or had been doing for the last four years is now able to put him to practice. He's able to do it. Obviously with maturity we know dogs mellow a little bit. He can now manage his emotions if another dog comes over to him, I know he's friendly. I mean, he does this really weird thing where he growls in excitement, which kind of puts people off um, when you <laughs> when other people come and meet him, um, which is why one reason I don't really let him interact with other dogs out and about unless they come into my space, because he has got his weird quirks. And if you don't understand them, you don't understand them and you assume he's a, a bad dog because he gets really excited and he growls. He's always done it. When he smells a good smell, he growls in excitement. When he meets another dog, he growls in excitement. And it is purely just like a, like almost like a cat purring, which is really strange. And I've never had a dog that's done it before, but he does. So he does that if a dog comes too close to him. It sounds a bit weird. I know what it's about. But he can now manage his frustration at a safe distance. Four years ago, if a dog was out of reach, he would be pulling on the lead, desperately trying to get to them. Now, he just stands and watches them and gives them a little woof woof. You come in to say hi. And then it's like, it's more of an invitation, but he can then switch off and refocus back on what he was doing. At a distance, when dogs are up close, he can find it harder. But we know distance is plays a really big part. Um, but it's all about those small wins. This is where we say training is for life, not just for puppies, because this isn't something that has been fixed in a puppy class. This is something that we've been working on for, you know, a good five years to improve. We've overcome a journey together. We've worked on strong foundations. We've learned to understand each other and we've had years to practice. Now, Dave might never be able to say hello politely and walk past another dog perfectly. Does that matter? No. He is still the happiest dog I know. <laughs> he just is happy to be alive. He now doesn't jump at people. He now doesn't pull on the lead and he can ignore dogs. So from where we were to where we are, massive, massive, massive improvement. Do I care that he is potentially still a little bit of a frustrated, greeter, reactive? Not at all. Um, if anything, he has helped me learn to help other people in the same situation but also I can use them as a wonderful learning tool for people big scary dogs are not actually big and scary they're just communicating and if it was a small dog doing the same thing no one would mind other than that Dave has actually been quite an easy dog because he does do everything textbook and he's quite a 
not lazy, that's the wrong word. He's easily satisfied. So he is quite happy just not having a walk for a day. He's like, I'll sleep. Mm -hmm. He's quite happy only having a very short walk. And equally, he's happy going on a long walk. So he's really easygoing and laid back. He's a lovely role model for my other dogs because he has a wonderful, considering he is a frustrated greeter, he has wonderful communication skills. He is very tolerant of other dogs. He listens to everything they say. He responds appropriately. He is very, very, very polite. Um, once the initial excitement of saying hello to a new dog has dispersed, then he has amazing communication skills. So that's my journey with Dave. We've obviously still got some journey to go. Um, but I say we are entering into his twilight years, unfortunately, because I say he's not the healthiest of dogs. His genetic condition means we have to manage his exercise. And he is a little bit of a larger dog because he's a show Labrador and he's a big boy anyway. So he's not the healthiest of dogs. So we are entering into that next phase of his life where things can only get better and he's an absolute joy to be around. So if you have got a reactive dog, just work on it. Find some support, find your tribe, find people that are going to help you. Um, and it will get better with the right input and the right support for you and your dog. It will get better. So if you've got a reactive dog, share a picture on our Instagram. I'd love to see your reactive dogs because there's a really bad misconception that reactive is bad and it's not. Reactive dogs are sometimes just have the biggest emotions and they're the loveliest, most friendliest dogs going once you get past that reactivity. Do head over to Instagram, YouTube, whatever listening platform you are on. There's a little follow button or a subscribe and a little bell icon. Click all of those. And that means you are going to be the first to hear about when the next episodes are released so that you don't have to wait for me to remind you and say, hey, it's Tuesday. Um, listen in. You'll automatically have a notification ping as soon as our episodes are released and then you won't miss out on anything. So have a wonderful week and I will catch up with you soon. Thank you for listening to The Dynamic Dog Owner with me, Debbie Potter. See you next time. Thank you.